Welcome to the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts about democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. In this feed, you will find a sampling of episodes from our podcast and the Democracy Group, as well as recordings from our events. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please visit democracygroup.org to find more like this. Now let's get to our featured episode. Welcome to the Democracy Group's Twitter Spaces. Uh, For those who don't already know, the Democracy Group is a network of podcasts focused on democracy. You can learn more about all 17 now, 17 different podcasts at democracygroup.org. So please check us out. For this event, uh, I want to introduce myself first. My name is Justin Kempf. I am the host of the podcast Democracy Paradox, and I'll be your host for this event. Um, Just to kind of lay out some of the ground rules, we want to encourage audience participation. That's what we think makes Twitter spaces special, is the fact that you can be able to join in on your phone and to be able to participate and ask questions to people in real time rather than just being a passive listener. Now, you can obviously just listen if you want, but if you have a question, please raise your hand. There's like an icon that allows you to do that. And we're going to try to be able to bring you on as a speaker. Uh, Obviously, everybody's still getting used to how the Twitter spaces works. But if you're patient with us, we're going to try to be able to give you a chance to be able to ask questions, time permitting. A quick note, though, um, you do need to be on a mobile device to ask those questions on Twitter spaces. Uh, It's just kind of like a small glitch or kink on the whole program. So if you're working on your computer, you may be frustrated. Just know that if uh, if you want to be able to ask a question, just make sure you're using a phone. I think I think a tablet works, but definitely a phone does. Now, I want to kind of bring in, kind of move on to to the core of the event. I am excited and honored to introduce Evan Mawiri. He is the founder of the hashtag this flag movement a zimbabwean democracy activist and a leader with just an absolutely inspirational story to tell he's currently the education director of the renewed democracy initiative evan did i get everything in and how badly did i butcher your last name i think i here's what i normally do justin is i normally let people attempt to pronounce my last name and when they get it wrong they owe me lunch so let's just say let's just say you owe me two lunches there how about, how about <laughs> <laughs> nah i'm messing with you you know you did well i think a, a drink will do just fine a drink a drink will do just fine so it's ivan mawari got it got it okay well it would, next time that you're in indiana i'll take care of you all right so the like like I kind of mentioned as we first joined in, um, I watched the video and I want to encourage everybody to watch the original video that Evan produced that kind of just just kicked off this movement. If you're part of the democracy group community, I've posted it there. If you go to, I just posted the video on my own profile. If you want to go to my profile, uh, Democracy Paradox, you can be able to find the video there when the conversation's over. I, I just highly recommend everybody to watch it. It's only four minutes long. Um, Evan, I think everybody would like to know, first off, what inspired you 
to make the original This Flag video that inspired so many? Um, Justin, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a question I get regularly in different places where I go. And, and I think I always get a chance to kind of think about it now, you know, uh, in retrospect. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I get why sometimes people feel like, why would you do that? Why would you say something like that publicly in, in, in a regime, a dictatorship, Robert Mugabe's dictatorship, which was very well known to be brutal, very well known to be, uh, uh, very unforgiving when it came to dissenters. And it, it comes down to this one thing, Justin, that I, I suddenly realized how the situation in Zimbabwe was really now affecting me directly. And I know that sounds a little bit selfish, but this is what you find is that in a lot of societies, until something starts to affect you directly, you don't really, you don't, you don't always see it as, as something that needs attention. And so I got to a place where I was now failing as an able-bodied, educated young Zimbabwean. I was failing to put food on the table for for my family i had two young children a third one on the way and and for the first time i was starting to think about where do i get a meal for my children for the rest of this week and and i think i connected the dots very quickly and i remember sitting at my church office thinking to myself had i been in another country and mind you many of my uh, uh age mates had moved uh, down to South Africa, some had moved, uh, you know, uh, out to the US and the UK, and were doing well. They had bought houses, and you know, you know, they were putting their children through school. They were traveling, and I'm sitting here thinking, I, I am in a place where a Zimbabwean should be doing the best that they can at home, right? And I can't do it. I'm failing to do it, and so the frustration kicked in at that point to say, this can't be right. You can't be most poor in a place where you should be thriving the most. In Zimbabwe is where a Zimbabwean should thrive the most, should feel at home to be the best that they can be. And here we were failing. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, Zimbabwe had, at this point in 2016, when I first put up that video, we had been through, we were going through the second economic collapse, um, uh, which could be the third one, depending depending where you want to come from, uh, count from. But this was the second major one. The first one that had happened between around about 2007 and 2008 was was apocalyptic. Zimbabwe at that point in 2008, we ended up with with a 100 trillion dollar note as our largest note in Zimbabwe. All right. And to put that into perspective, that one hundred trillion dollar note wasn't worth much. You, you, you couldn't buy much with it. I remember trying to get a haircut with one or two of those. And, you know, it was just barely enough. So 2016, we were going through a, yet another cycle of the economy crashing in Zimbabwe. And there was just no reason for me to sit quietly and let it happen to me again. As, as it was happening to many people in Zimbabwe. And so I recorded that 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 four minute video, as you said, whose contents we're really about saying why why do we why do we sit and allow this to happen without asking those that govern the questions that need to be asked why do we expect that somebody else will stand up for us when we are the ones that should should be doing that and 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 i think at the end of that video if you watch it i'm saying to my countrymen Every time you watch the Zimbabwe flag fly, which is where the movement got its name from, because I, I was using the Zimbabwe flag on that on that video. I said, every day that you see the Zimbabwe flag fly, 
it's begging for you to say something. It's begging for you to speak into its future so that it has pride again, so that it becomes a future that every Zimbabwe can can actually uh, depend on becoming a reality and and you know and can enjoy. I'm starting to see a lot of requests to be able to speak. I've got one that I've already pulled up. It's Ari Goldstein. If you'd like to unmute yourself, uh, Ari, uh, you can be able to ask your question. No, um, greetings. I, I hope you will, uh, Pastor E. I hope you will as well. My, Hi, Ari. I'm good. My question or my contribution is: Are we able to identify? and to reach a consensus in Zimbabwe that what is and to pinpoint our problem is, is it is. Because what we all address is the symptoms of the problem. We don't address the problem. Be it in 2016, be it now, be it after 2023, we will always address the symptoms. We are not brave enough to address the, 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 the main problem, the elephant in the room. And unless until we address that, we will be in a position to, to move this nation forward. Because I have been in all areas. I understand what people have been told. And the way they were told the issue of sanctions, it was not effective by then and that fund that is a fundamental aspect which is there if you look for example uh chris coons uh, uh senator lindsey graham if you look at uh tom cotton and those guys in the united states foreign uh uh setting a foreign foreign affairs setting they have specifically put zimbabwe is the enemy of the United States of America. The reason why we are the enemies, probably they will tell us why. Because we love the people from America, we love Americans. My exchange program, I was at MIT. Now, the, the issue is about the sanctions. And these people, and my former leader at Cross Culture, Pastor E., Probably you could not agree with me that the issue is about something. Because if you look at corruption, I want to give you one example. America spent, 20, spent about 20 years in Afghanistan. They used about $150 million per day. When they left in Afghanistan, Afghanistan was, was broke, was, 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 was nowhere near anything. But they spent $2 trillion there for the period of 20 years. That money went back to America. That is military corruption. It went back to America. So now, you come to Zimbabwe. Yes, there is corruption. Yes, they are doing whatever they are doing to fight corruption. It might be not enough in other people's eyes. It might not be enough for myself or for whoever. But they are trying to fight corruption. But the issue is that Zimbabwe is constrained Financially, they are surviving on the revenue collection from, 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 from Zimra and, and, and other few companies that are working. So if you look in that scenario, 
That is the exact thing that the, the West wanted when they imposed sanctions in 2000 or in 2001. Now, my fellow comrades or my fellow countrymen in, in, in Zimbabwe, they don't agree to this. Why? I don't know. Because if they agree, they, their narrative of being in opposition or in whatsoever, it will vanish overnight. Because they will not have anything to say about or to talk about. Now, they will keep on pushing this issue. If you look at Nelson, uh, the president of the C and, 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 and other folks in, in, folks in, 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 in opposition there, they are clueless on what exactly do they want to do with this country. Uh, and then, Ari, Ari yes. um, we've got a few other questions. Um, I, 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 the impression that I'm getting is the question is about imposing sanctions on Zimbabwe um, and how we should, like, whether or not we should be supporting sanctions or whether or not we should be opposed to those. Am I understanding that right? Partly. Okay. Um, Evan, do you want to go ahead and speak to, uh, to that? Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks, Justin. Um, Ari, you know, I, 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 I think I hear, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I think you, you've been very consistent with your views on um you know you know publicly on twitter and so forth concerning corruption and the effect <clears throat> the effects of sanctions on zimbabwe what we have to understand is that at the core at the heart of zimbabwe's problems is not the response of other nations uh to what we decided to do but it is what we decided to do to ourselves um, uh, the history of our nation is, is very well known. Robert Mugabe coming into power in 1980 immediately began to consolidate power. And, 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 and we saw this. Nobody can deny that in the south of the country, over 20,000 people were murdered during that time because there was a suspicion that those people would uh, mount uh, against Robert Mugabe and remove him from power. That was his fear. But he carried that on and began to close the spaces in which Zimbabweans could participate in their own democracy. And this is the fundamental issue that we face globally as we watch the rise of authoritarianism. We're watching people come into power and through populist ideas and other, uh, you know, other, other means begin to close off spaces in which ordinary citizens can participate. What we did in 2016, when we began the citizens' movement um, in Zimbabwe, quite by accident, was attempting to reclaim the space that our own constitution provides for us as citizens to participate in building a democracy that benefits everyone. Talking about sanctions again, the bigger sanctions that were placed upon Zimbabwe is not what the international community placed upon us because of the misdeeds of our own government against their own people. But the bigger sanctions is what our government and the internal system of cronyism and the internal system of nepotism amongst those who are the political elites placed. It is the noose that they placed on their own people by uh, first of all, the human rights abuses by closing off, uh, you know, the the spaces for democ democratic participation, and of course the corruption, which you mentioned and quickly slide under the carpet. By the way, it's the it's the biggest problem in Zimbabwe. It's robbed us of uh, a better education system. It's robbed us of. Uh, uh, of world-class uh, health facilities. It's robbed us of empl employment for our young people. Our employment figures in Zimbabwe have consistently run between 80 and 95% unemployment. It's, it's absolutely unheard of. 
uh, you know, in Zimbabwe for many years. So, so, so I think this is the bigger issue, why we started the movement. And you will see the response to the movement when we started it, when we started this flag, the way we were jailed, the way we were threatened, the way we were beaten in the prisons, the way we were charged with treason. When all we were asking at the time was that our government should do better. We were holding them accountable. That's a key element of democracy, by the way. Be held accountable. It should never be a crime or a sin to be someone that asks your government to do better. Or, as you are talking about uh, opposition politicians, it is, should never be a crime in a democracy, which Zimbabwe claims is a democracy. It should never be a crime to be an opposition figure. In the, in, the, in the political arena, because that is what actually builds a healthy democracy. So I think this has been the bigger fight of ordinary people in Zimbabwe to be included. And it's the bigger fight of citizens across the world to be part of the process that, 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 that decides how they are governed. And that process also listens to them and also takes on board their views, uh, you know, and so forth. I'll give it back to you, Justin, for now. No, that, that's great. And just a reminder to everyone, we're getting quite a few requests, so please try to keep the questions succinct. I'm going to try to give as many people as possible a chance to be able to, to talk and give our speaker a chance to be able to answer those questions. So we've got, uh, I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but Pride uh, Gero, um has a question, and I've got him muted right now. If you want to unmute yourself and go ahead and ask Evan. Am I able to? Um, Pride, if you, uh, there should be a button uh, towards the bottom left on the Twitter spaces if you're able to unmute yourself. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring on another person to be able to ask questions so we can kind of move on for the moment here. Um, I've got uh, what looks like Solani. If you want to be able to unmute yourself and be able to ask uh, Evan a question. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, wonderful space. Thank you so much, hosts and co-hosts. Uh, even uh, wonderful to see you here. I'm going to go straight to the point. I'm a human rights campaigner. I've been campaigning uh, to live for Zimbabwe to be liberated for over a decade. And what I want to ask you is, what can we do now? Because the problem we have now is a situation where Zimbabweans have believed in something. They believed in this flag. This flag, they feel as if it's let them down. And now even us campaigners who are advocating for ZANU-PF to go and for change to come to Zimbabwe, we're struggling to rekindle that fire, that fire that drove us to support the flag, you know. And my question to you is, what can we do now? And are you willing to work with people such as myself to bring a better Zimbabwe? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much, Salani. And it's, it's good to, to hear your voice and the passion you have for, uh, for Zimbabwe and, and, and just for a better Zimbabwe like, uh, like many people have. It's, 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 it's important for us to, first of all, understand who has let us down in Zimbabwe um, and who has not. Uh, the people who have not let us down, let's start with those are those who have stepped up to, to do something about the situation uh, in Zimbabwe, those who have stepped up to face the brunt of the regime, whether they have succeeded or not. 
we must never frame the people that stood up at the at their at the expense of their own lives uh, as either they failed us or they are they are failures. Because when we do that, we are discouraging more people who would have been inspired by those people to to you know to stand up. So when we think of opposition uh, uh, leaders who uh, in times gone by have stood up, uh, they some of them did not succeed. Uh, you know, some of them made some mistakes. They didn't fail us. They stood up to a system that was brutal. They stood up to a system that has killed people that you and I know. Uh, they stood up to a system that has disappeared individuals. In this case, Itai Zamara, who one year before I stood up, uh, was snatched from a barbershop in Zimbabwe and up to today has never been seen or heard of again. So we must never look at those people and in any way, shape or form, uh, point a finger at them and say they let us down. If anything, uh, those people stood up and 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 uh, uh, you know they stood up they stood up for us where we could not stand up for ourselves. The people who have let us down are the people that said that they have the right to govern Zimbabwe simply because they went to the liberation war and no one else has the right to govern or to speak into what Zimbabwe should be. That distinction must be very clear. I think. To your question, what must we do? What can we do now? It's it's always going to be important to never leave the space empty, to never leave the 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 space of citizen mobilization empty. What I did when I started in 2016, and then joined by many young people that became part of our movement, those that were the inner activists where we strategized together, and those that came around. Uh, that came around us from uh, from different parts of uh, parts of the country, and even those that were outside the country, by the way, because this was a very important part of building this one of a kind citizens movement. Is that we worked with people in the country, and we worked with Zimbabweans who were outside the country. But one of the things, uh, you know, you know that we that we continue to do, uh, you know, at the time was to make sure that we decentralize the movement, we decentralize the actions, that anybody can start from where they are. And if it's making sense, if it's if there is momentum around what they are doing, then we get around it. One of the mistakes we continue to make is to try and build these things around a personality or around an individual. And 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 and, and so what happens is that the lifetime of a movement or the shelf life of a, of a movement is built around that one individual. We must be able to pass these movements on from one group of people to the next, one group of actors to the next, because we we democracy building democracy is a process. It's not an event. You, you know, sometimes people think try to uh, uh, define democracy around voting and election. That's just only one part of it. Some people try to define it just around you know the issue of protesting. That's just one part of it. There is a whole process. So so the, the, I think part of what we have to do is to be long term thinkers that we should never be activated only by an impending election, but we should be motivated by the fact that we need to have good governance that lasts longer than the government that's in place today, that lasts longer than the individuals who are at play today. This goes with our civic society, those who are building civic society in Zimbabwe, those people that build civic society anywhere else in the world have got to do it with that mindset that is long-term, that mindset that outruns 
their own time frame to know that there will be people after this that will depend on, uh, you know, that will depend on the foundations that we are doing. We stood on the foundations of people like Morgan Changirai, who started off in the trade unions and then moved into becoming a politician. And, and we stood on the shoulders of people like Itai Zamara that I've just mentioned and stood on the shoulders of many people who are alive today who are still uh, actively involved in Zimbabwe. So that's number one. The second thing is solidarity. It's, it's one of the mistakes that I look back on when we built the movement is that we were late in understanding the power of solidarity, the power of working together. When you build a democracy, understand that diversity is your friend and not your enemy. There are people and movements and organizations that are better kitted out than you to do certain things. Uh, uh, you know, even though you might be good at one thing, you're good at everything. So building a, a broad alliance and being in solidarity with others in the democratic movement is a very, very important aspect of building momentum. Because part of the question you are asking in terms of what do we do is a part of the answer to the question when you say, what, where, what do we do, sorry, is to build momentum. You have to invest in democracy, invest in the momentum of democracy. And that's part uh, that's part of doing that. And so even, even the work I do now, where I speak into democracy situations globally and helping uh, different uh, movements to, to, to make progress, we talk about investing in democracy, that it's not a one-time thing, but it's a process. We will get a dividend at some point, but we have to, number one, be, have the foresight to make the investment, uh, make the alliances that work, and and then and then and then look after our investment in the process and hopefully we get a dividend in 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 you know in 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 due process and in due time and i think that this is what's going to work for zimbabwe can we play the game together for a long time and not just for for a season expecting one individual to do it all for us We've got a lot of requests. We don't have a ton of time. Um, I'm willing to go a little bit over. Um, Evan, are you able to stay like five extra minutes to be able to kind of get a few extra questions in? Yeah, sure thing. Just so okay. I can stay another five, ten minutes. Okay. Um, Earl, we've got you um, uh, lined up next. Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, yeah. I thought I wouldn't make it. <laughs> I made it into the five-minute space. Um, thanks, Jeremy, for this. Um, Pastor E, also, also a great, great pleasure. So my name is Earl. I'm a digital media and society scholar, um, Zimbabwean, but um, based in Sweden. And my passion basically lies in inclusive conversation that annihilates, for example, the digital divide. And so my question um, sort of follows on what you're talking about, Evan, and you know, mm -hmm. just the idea of what democracy looks like. And you know, um, I'd like to think the face of democracy is diverse. And I think more often than not, we tend to, you know like we, and when I say we, I'm talking about the people that are, you know, advocating for fighting for democracy tend to think, you know, that the fight for democracy entails war, incarceration, and some sort of, you know, physical advocacy, you know, and some of the stuff that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. um, but forget elements, for example, like you talked about the right of, you know, world-relevant education, enabling funding for increased um, access to digital services, you know, that enable conversation. And I think that's where my question then falls into say that, um, what do you tell the passionate, driven, change-desiring person like me 
hopefully one day wants to be the minister of you know uh, international relations or foreign affairs or whatever you know <laughs> and sells Zimbabwe in a better light than it's happening now who does not want to spend a night in jail for not you know for, for saying the wrong thing but also at the same time wants to see change happen and conversation happen um, would you call it cowardice to refrain from having such conversations um, <laughs> and you know and looking like at stuff like online advocacy and activism. I mean, the Arab Spring is one of the biggest examples we talk about, even in scholarship as well. But, you know, will stuff like that happen in a place like Zimbabwe? Does the conversation move beyond Twitter spaces, you know, to Uzumba Maraba Fungwe or, you know, Mondoro Ngezi or, or whatever area it is? Um, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you, you, make, you, you make some really good points, Earl. And, and I think, first of all, it's... You're right in that we have reduced the qualification to be able to speak into a democratic space to uh, to having been uh, brutally abused by a regime first, and people actually you know actually do that, and, and they and they ask uh, you know you know what has happened to you, you know what gives you the right to you know to you know to kind of say the things you're saying. You don't have to have been imprisoned or or brutalized, you know, like, as, as happened to, to persons like myself. I think that you have to be someone that really cares about having a system of governance that is equitable, a system of governance that is fair, and, and a system of governance that, that includes uh, at least everyone's voices, or at least that includes or that allows people to build uh, a better society by questioning what that society looks like and without being without being vilified for it talking about how do you then get the message out to beyond uh, twitter spaces because we have places not only in africa but across the world where people are not on twitter uh, you know i was interviewing um uh, an amazing um activist from iran her name is masi alinejad powerful, powerful voice for the emancipation of women in Iran. Same thing, I was uh, um, uh, interviewing uh, a, 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 um, a Leopoldo Lopez from Venezuela the other day. Same. And, and, and in, in all those societies, they have people that are not part of these conversations that, that we are having. Yet there must be a willingness when we build democratic movements on the ground to reach People. I, I come from a background uh, where I'm a pastor, and and as a as a churchman, we have a concept called evangelism, and evangelism is about reaching one, reaching each one to teach each one, right? And, and that's how that's how people are welcomed into into the religion. We we reach people with our own experiences, and then give help them to find a reason. That, that they you know for them to then join it's the same thing with democracy we could never substitute virality of tweets and videos on social media for the grit the hard grit of going on the ground and building physically building movements physically when we had built our online uh, a following an online movement of this flag in 2016, 2017, and going all the way to 2019, we eventually had to crystallize on the ground. We eventually had to mobilize people. We had to re reach real people with real faces who could then go and recruit their own 
friends and people that trust because that's what movement building is about it's about joining a group of people whom you trust and know hold the same values as you do and then building a momentum to deliver the kind of result that you want to see together so i think at the end of the day Earl, there's going to be a moment where going on the ground is required particularly if you're looking for a political solution but for people like you who are technocrats and and people like you who you know who you know who are who are outside the borders of zimbabwe there are other ways of doing it network and 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 and, and you know get into get into spaces where you are talking to those in governance in the countries where you are and begin to represent zimbabwe there that is a way of activism talk to them about it raise petitions about what's happening in zimbabwe currently we have the incarceration of job sikala who's been in prison for well over 60 something days together with 10 other people i believe it is and those are clearly political uh, prisoners but there are also other service delivery issues there is the issue of water there is the issue of health all of those can be advocated for by people who are not in Zimbabwe or who are not as close to the political action as possible, but you can make advocacy for those with different groups, with different power centers in different places and countries where you are. That's part of how democracy works uh, you know, for, for our nation. I feel like I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. This is going to be our last question so that we can give Evan a chance to be able to wrap up. Patrick, can you uh, ask that last question? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, first and foremost, just a comment, a quick one. Uh, Pastor E, uh, for putting your hand up and um, doing your bit, uh, our gratitude. Um, like you said, I think we all stand on the shoulders of those that come before us. And, and if we all kind of knew that, we could brick by brick do what, what needs doing. Um, thank you. My, my question is, um, what do you think the role of misinformation is playing in 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 the effort to build democratic spaces um it's specifically to, to zim but in general um you know um i often push back against the idea that even brutal re regimes don't have supporters but but often those supporters are kept there um through one form of misinformation or another and and in the age of alternative facts uh, it, it gets even worse, you know. Um, so h how in, in, in trying to build these spaces does one combat this aspect of misinformation? Um, and and, and the, in, in a lot of instances, it, it creates apathy or, mm -hmm. or actually an energized in, individual in, 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 a, in a wrong direction, as it were. And, and, and to what extent do you think, how, how big a problem would you, would you say that is? Patrick, thank you for, for that question. A really, really good question because I think this has, this now forms the issue of misinformation and disinformation now forms, uh, undeniably what is part of the, the front line of, uh, of defending democracy. Uh, when you look at what's happening, um, in Ukraine, the war against Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, one of the things that is driving that, uh, particularly internally in terms of the support for that war, the support for that attack, uh, is is the misinformation and disinformation campaign that the Russian government has mounted, uh, and, and quite successfully, when you hear people speak the way they speak about uh, about about really, uh, you know, an attack that is quite quite unjustified. But you 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 find that this has become a global phenomenon, and governments that are the authoritarian regimes in particular have learned 
this uh, skill of creating, uh, as you rightly said, alternative facts or creating, uh, you know, other channels of disseminating information to to convince a group of people so that they remain they remain supported. We 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 have to go back to the basics of learning to tell a a a better story and a more convincing uh, convincing story of why democracy is better, of why democracy should be should be supported, and why what and, and I suppose and 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 how to tell the difference between real gold and fool's gold, and um, you know we we I think we discovered this in Zimbabwe at at one point when we started the movement. Um, you know, the, the Zim government was not very, very alert to kind of social media and operating on social media. So we were always kind of one step ahead. But then they caught up to it. And what we have had to do is, uh, uh, you know, is go back to being able to tell the compelling story of what is really happening. And, and I think winning hearts and minds. The, one of the big problems I, I see, especially uh, as we try to help different communities of democracy defenders is is to teach how to win hearts rather than how to make enemies because people become more and more entrenched in what they believe when when you when you when you attack there has to be a way to reach out there has to be a way to tell a compelling story there has to be a way to make a better argument and win someone over and i think that for me is you know is kind of is kind of the way to kind of the way to deal with it um uh, um um, it, it's more and more it has become evident that those of us that support democracy or those of us that are in favor of genuine democracy have to work extra harder in putting out content and narratives that speak to that, that, you know, that support that. So so I think in, in a very small kind of a way answering that question, it comes back to how determined are we to tell better stories? How And that's part of what I do. Uh, in my role as my role as as um, a director for education at Renew Democracy Initiative, I'm helping to tell the stories of democracy advocates from across the world to the free world about how we have experienced authoritarianism, why it's dangerous, what are the signs of authoritarianism, and how have we dealt with authoritarianism? And hopefully, that way, people, for example, in America, the hope is that people stop 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 sacrificing the well-being of their nation for partisan positions the, the hope is that people can move more to the center rather than move further apart to the left or to the right that people can say you know what we have that is more valuable than our partisan position it is democracy it is the opportunity to live in a country that respects me as a citizen that respects my constitution and that respects my freedom as a God-given right and doesn't arbitrarily uh, arbitrarily take that uh, you know take that away. I hope that answers uh, answers your question, Justin. Back to you. Well, Evan, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you today. The uh, before we go, where is it that we can learn more about the work that you're doing? Um, or to be able to kind of stay in contact or even to become more involved, uh, particularly within the fight for democracy in Zimbabwe? 
Um, the, I'm, I'm involved. I'm involved in in a work at the moment um, through an organization called Renew Democracy Initiative. You can find them uh, online, rdi.org, and it's it's a it's a it's a grouping of people that came together from from different different sides of the political divide, especially here in America, to 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 look at how democracy can can be defended and how democracy can uh, you know you know can thrive in the face of the challenges that uh, this nation has gone through, um, and and. And one of the things that we're doing there, at least one of the things I do, I do a podcast every week, which is entitled Frontlines of Freedom. And every week I speak to some of the most amazing uh, democracy advocates from across the world, activists and politicians, the people who have had to escape by night, people that were held in solitary confinement uh, by military regimes, uh, people that stood in the case of Feng, uh, Feng Suo, uh, that stood in Tiananmen Square in 1989 and watched uh, thousands get mowed down by their own government. This is, uh, you know, is Sunny Chewung from Hong Kong. I mean, so many. So you can listen to the front lines of freedom. Uh, it's a podcast. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on uh, Apple uh, or on Substack as well. Um, uh, but but also, I'm 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 a fellow at Johns Hopkins uh, University uh, as a dissident uh, in residence uh, over there, and uh, I'll be starting some of the talks that I'm going to be giving throughout the academic uh, academic year, as well as UPenn. Uh, I, I happen to be a democracy fellow there as well. So you can follow on those different platforms and see some of the work that we're doing. The idea, Justin, more than anything else, is to sound the alarm globally that democracy is under attack, but we have it within us to be able to save it. We have it within us to be able to, to uh, uh, you know, cause, I, I guess, the peoples of the world to, to uh, you know, to, to demand better governance and to reject authoritarianism uh, globally. Well, thank you so much once again. Thank you so much for everybody for coming to participate and for so many wonderful questions today. I am sorry we could not get to them all. Uh, for those who want to follow along with the Democracy Group, check out democracygroup.org. And you can also check out my podcast, Democracy Paradox. And Jenna Spinelli is also here, the host of Democracy Works, as well as um, a new podcast, uh, When the People Decide. So please check those out and check out all of our 17 other podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be back here again next month with another Twitter Spaces. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Democracy Group. If you want more podcasts like this, then visit democracygroup.org. There you will find our events, topics, and a newsletter as well. So head on over to democracygroup.org.